Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You just be sitting up there jacked. <laughs> I'm there for the pot goat. You just got to pack me in committed to the boat early on like i love getting close and putting up you cover a range of stuff on here too right like we call this the uh, the thp world headquarters you know my grandpa roy weatherby i came into like that golden little pocket where there was like four or five different bowls just you're canadian we're doing yeah, a canadian I... podcast my name's douglas Bowes. i'm robbie denning world yeah. good good how are you good good you know um being up in Canada here, we don't have access to all these great, uh, archery, all the great archery equipment and, uh, and, you know, goodies that you guys get down in the States. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, I think I told you this a few weeks ago, I was shooting at the range and I don't go to the range very often. I, I mean, I can shoot 70 yards in my front yard, so I don't hit the range too often. Um, I was at the range and I was shooting and a guy next to me had this bow and I've never seen it before. I've heard of it, never seen it before. And it was an Athens. And it just turns out I'm a, I'm either a 29 or 28 and a half, depending on the bow for draw yeah. length. And he was a 28 and a half. His peep sight was a little off, but I shot the bow anyway. And mm-hmm. I have to say, what an amazing bow. So, but before we get into that and to your guys's bow, Kind of just want to talk a bit about like your background, how you got into it, uh, maybe your introduce introduction to archery, that kind of that kind of thing. Yeah, no problem at all. So um, I actually have a background in mechanical engineering, computer science. That's what I started out with. Um, I didn't get into bow hunting until I, I shot bows when I was kids. When I was a kid, um, mostly long bows. I never really actually got into hunting until I was quite a bit older. Uh, I was twenty four or so. Um, I ended up. Uh, I was helping a friend build a log cabin and every afternoon he'd take off about three in the, it was fall at three in the afternoon. He'd be like, see you later. I'm going out to go hunt. And 
after about the fourth day of drywalling and sealing and sanding, I'm like, no, you're not. You're taking me with you. <laughs> so that's that's kind of how I got involved in it uh, much later in life. Um, from there, uh, I ended up I ended up wanting to get back to the hunting community. Um, and so I became a bow, bow and gun instructor in New York State. Oh, yeah. Through that, I ended up meeting um, meeting other people in the archery industry, and it kind of grew from there. So I I ended up going to work for an archery manufacturer uh, back in 2009, and I was there for a while, and I, uh, left about 2016 or so, moved on to something else, and uh, my wife and I were looking for a business to purchase. Um, we wanted to, we're both pretty entrepreneurial Um so we were looking for something to purchase and through contacts in the industry, we found out that Athens was for sale. Um, so we, uh, we, we initially were like, well, you know, I, I was super passionate about it. It was actually one of the more enjoyable points in my career path was being involved in the archery industry with the community and everything and having the background of doing, you know, operations and manufacturing it was really something i enjoyed a lot um my tracy is a tracy was a commodity manager so she was basically a procurement purchasing strategic commodity manager for a couple of big companies so she had a a, a bit she had the the all the experience with that and we said hey what the heck we'll put it together and uh, we flew out to rochester indiana and met with the owners and ended up turning around and acquiring the business. And a few months later, we moved it back to Rochester, New York. So that's kind of how we got our start. Wow. So that's a, I mean, that's diving right into it. You know, yeah. if you're 24 <laughs> years old and you're just getting into hunting, never mind archery alone. And then how old were you when you guys purchased the, the business? Uh, 45, I think. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I was actually talking to the guy that I was talking the other day with the, the guy who got me into archery, and he's like, I can't believe where you took this. Like, yeah, no kidding. He and I were still friends, and we were chatting. He's like, you, you went way different than what I was expecting you to do with it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you deal. went above and beyond, no doubt. Um, yeah, he remembers the excitement of the first buck I shot, and you know, so it, it went quite a ways from that point. Yeah, no doubt. So, so was archery something you just sort of fell in love with right from the get go? Yeah, I think so. I, again, I liked it when I was a kid. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I always shot longbow in the backyard. I, right. I kind of dropped it through college. I never really got serious about it. And I, for me at least, um, I always like the challenge and the up close and personal part of it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of skill and skill and being able to be consistent in what you do in order to be accurate and precise. Um, I got into target archery for quite a while. Uh, I still do some target archery. I've got a full 3d range here at home. Um, and I got pretty heavy into target archery and that was a, that was a, ironically enough the past year being as, you know, being almost 50 years old, the past year is the first time I ever took up golf, um, with my oldest son. And it's ironic how many, how much of the discipline translates from golf to archery to target archery. And that's kind of what I enjoyed was that real, like being consistent in what you do and the mental process that goes into it. So yeah, it, it just kind of, I don't know, it just clicked with me and I just kind of stuck with it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I never, I mean, I, I've golfed, obviously I did a 
little bit of golfing when I was a kid. I never really got too deep into to golf um, with archery. You know, same thing I shot when I was a kid, you know, shot through school and stuff like that. Just uh, those longbows. I hated those longbows, still do. <laughs> my, um, last longbow, my last boat, longbow split in half when I shot it the last time and cut my cut myself up pretty good. That was when I put the longbone down. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a compound pump. I'm a compound guy through and through. But uh, you know, I I got into it, and you know, my cousin he was a BC champion. He was a really good compound guy, 3D. Um, mm-hmm. Not as much like um, great hunter. Um, you know, in BC, he shot everything there's to shoot. Um, just a great hunter. He's kind of he was my mentor for both hunting and archery. Um, never really, never really dove too much into the target archery never got into that at all um 3d i do one a year um just because my co-host uh he's the president of it so i support him but you know but bow hunting is it, it it's my jam you know everything i do train daily shoot daily it all you know it's all for the purpose of bow hunting um i just love it and nbc a lot of people think i'm nuts because you really only get the, the real only benefit for archery in bc or bow hunting is an extra nine days so you know there's not a lot of there's not specific archery seasons here yet uh alberta saskatchewan it's a little different but here um there's no real advantage to it but i just i'm the same way i love i love the up and closeness you know i love the whole for me it's the whole it's the whole year of preparation you know it's the training it's the shooting your bow it's all the preparation that goes into it and just having it. I find it, you keep that mindset throughout the year mm-hmm. being a bow hunter. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the same for you. So for sure. And I, and it, and again, it's the, there's a different level of skill required than pulling out a gun. I mean, I, oh, I don't yeah. really, I don't really gun hunt at all. Um, I kind of gave that up 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I do almost everything with a bow now. And it's just that even if I walk away with nothing, like it's to me, it's more rewarding. I feel than at least for me personally, mm-hmm. than a gun hunting would be. That's just, that's just how I feel about it. It's not, I'm not knocking anybody who gun hunts. I totally respect that. I mean, I gun hunt like rabbits and coyotes, but for the most part, everything I do is with a bow. It's just, it's far more rewarding, at least in my book, you know, I, 110 inch or 120 inch white tail of the bow is is a trophy compared to you know you're shooting you get them at 12 15 yards compared to you know shooting one at 200 yards at least in my book you know it's just yeah. there's something behind it oh absolutely and i'm you know it, it's funny like i was on a buffalo hunt in northern bc this year and um the guy I'm with he was rifle hunting and you know first day we go out we see some buffalo big you know there's those buffalo some of them get pretty big and he took out a big big one and i'm in a bow using a bow and like i'm now i'm four or five days in right still trying to get close enough where i can you know ethically kill this this massive animal and you know the buffalo i harvested it killed it wasn't nearly as big as his and you know he's kind of giving it to me i'm like hey buddy you want to try to like you shot yours at 300 something yards let's see you get within 60 of of those things and like um yeah i mean it's just so personal you, you get so close and i remember the first time so i'm, I'm just strictly just a bow hunter i don't i don't hunt with a rifle anymore i gave that up a few years ago and i remember that first year vividly i cut one tag that year and i hunted a lot mm-hmm. it just 
how hard it was just like putting the rifle away because you know and i'm sure a lot of guys can relate to this and a lot of guys probably still do it they're like oh i'm gonna kill say an elk with a bow with a bow this year that's gonna be my goal but you know they bring the gun just in case right and then you know a lot of guys you you only get you know two weeks off of holidays and you spend five of those days five of those 10 days are spent on a hunt you designated for your elk time you designated for your elk hunt you're three, four days into an elk hunt and you've already had opportunities where you could have killed one with a rifle. Most of the time you're pulling out that rifle on the last day, right? Cause you don't want to go home empty handed. And I did that a lot. I did that for a lot of years. And then finally one year I was like, you know, I'm just going to suffer through it. And I did suffer, but it sure, you know, it was one of those things. The first year it started out, it cut one tag and then, you know, it turned out three tags and then you know, now it's six, seven tags a year I'm pulling and it's just, but I, had, I still had to go through those hardships, but man, it sure, it definitely does. It, I wouldn't say it makes you necessarily a better hunter. You got to put a lot more time into it. Cause I know those guys that do that, you know, they do, they do some hard stuff, those hard sheep hunts and, and then some of that yeah. stuff. And they're, you know, they got to train, they're doing 500 yard shots and like some of that stuff they're shooting at and, and, and just the knowledge behind there, they're working hard too. So, but it's those just different. Those long distance shots with a rifle are challenging. I mean, those are, those are tough shots to make all yeah, day long. For sure. yeah. There's a lot of, there's skill that goes into that, that I, you, as a bow hunter, I don't have, you know, the breathing mm -hmm. techniques and everything that goes in. I just don't have that. Like, I, just cause I don't practice with, I mean, I, yeah. but I can see where the allure of that would be. And, you know, like you, I gave up, I gave up, I was on a moose hunt in Alaska and we had a 70 plus inch bull at, 80 yards and my friend was trying to stuff a rifle into my hand i'm like no i'm not doing it like i'm yeah. not doing it i walked away with nothing but that was okay in my book mm -hmm. yeah I, yeah for sure i'm the same way and i tell people all the time you know i'm like no i'm for me it's more than just punching a tag right like i'd rather eat the tag than switch over and for me it's just it's a challenge and and like i said it's part of my process all year you know i train physically mentally i shoot my bow almost every day just to prepare for that chance and and you know um you put yourself through those those heart like i feel now too it's like man i i suffered so much early on you know for me to just pick up a rifle now and do it it'd be like wow you know i i, I already went through all the hard stuff now it's you know i mean it's still hard and challenging but I, like i already suffered a lot to get to where i am now and now i feel like it's just you know be be given up character building yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, no doubt character building all the work and training that goes into that suffering in a wet tent for days and then yeah. being being able to walk away and be okay with that like that's not that's a tough one for sure. yeah for sure yeah it is and it's just i mean and it's just so much fun to shoot a bow like it's hard to tell people who don't shoot a bow or they don't shoot a luff like i do a lot of uh um you know I, I do a lot of work on other people's bows they bring them over and i'm like man you you like they they try to they, it's funny they always bring them over and think that there's going to be a quick fix to make them group you know a loony side or i guess i don't know if you know what a loony is know, but you know, know is. yeah so group of loony size at 30 or 40 yards and like well i'm going to tell you the secret shoot your bow more and that's yeah. it right like yeah. don't worry about all this other stuff don't worry about cam lean cam tining like we're gonna your your bow is fine you just right. need to shoot your bow more right you can't pull it out seven days before you're going to go on a hunt and say hey you know, I'm going to get this thing dialed in. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's a year round gig. So hey, yeah, your bow is a hundred times more consistent than your archer is for sure. Yeah. 100%. So what's changed since you guys took over the company to where you, where you're at now? 
So um, when we took over, so the company had a, a, a very small but adamant following to it. There were a lot of people who really loved the product. Um, they had some older technology. So we spent a lot of time over the past few years uh, revamping everything that had been done before. So um, all new all new bow and riser designs, obviously, new limb designs. Um, two years ago, three years ago, we introduced rotating mods, which was a big step forward. Well, first we introduced mods in general, which was a big step. And then three years ago, we introduced rotating mods, which was a, another huge step for us forward. Um, this year we released the AccuTune system. So it's been a it's been a constant evolution for us along the way to, to bringing the product from a, from where it was when we acquired it in 2018 to in line or or farther along than some of other manufacturers out there. It's been a kind of a labor of love along the way. So yeah, no doubt. Having any engineering background, do you find yourself getting in, involved in a lot of that process? Almost all of it. Is that uh, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, heavy amount of it. I've got a I've got a sketchbook full of ideas. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. I a lot mean, of them yeah. don't make the, a lot of them never make the light of day, but you know, <laughs> I, I love yeah. that part of it, you know, and especially with a bow background, you know, working with bows all the time, you get a lot of, uh, you get a lot of like, Hey, I wonder if I can do this or Hey, I wonder if I can do that. So yeah, we, I, I get very, very heavily involved in that. It, it's enjoyable. We've got a great team that works for us. Um, all of whom have bow backgrounds uh -huh. of, Form or from some form or another and uh, you know engineering and compound bows go together pretty well so it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting product to work with um funny enough i had i was working with a physics instructor from a local university here and we were we were working on some high-speed camera footage and he's like that I don't even know how to model what a bow does from an engineering perspective when it goes off. We were like brainstorming how you could actually model all the intricacies of string oscillation and vibration and try to simulate all that. There's a lot of these, like there's so much that goes on when a bow goes off that people don't realize mm -hmm. what's actually happening. He goes, it's actually shocking to me. Like I, I have a really hard time modeling this. So it, it's fun to do. It's a, yeah. It's a I bet. I, I guess with an engineering team, having a, a little bit of background or some knowledge of the of actually shooting, archery, bow hunting, it definitely must be an asset. It's a requirement, really. Is that right? It's a requirement, I think. Yeah. You have to, have, and you have to have a certain level of passion for it too. You know. Yeah, yeah it can't just be a job. It can't just be a job, and everybody I've met who's ever been into it, it, it is a passion for them. Yeah, yeah, and I find that's kind of true. Like if. If you're into it, then you are extremely passionate about it. And if it's kind of like, you're just like, eh, you know, I do it because I get to hunt longer. It's just, you know, it's just something that you're not going to be as passionate as about somebody who doesn't need to do it. Like myself, I don't need to bow hunt, but right. I do it just because I love it. Right. I just love, I love shooting bows. I love everything about bows. I love, you know, all those intricate details of them. I love, you know, junkie and out and like, you know, I, I just love all of everything about it. And, uh, you know, besides the discipline i mean the discipline is probably for myself i need that i need that you know i find that strictness really helps me it's just like work out work kids shoot the bow you know it's just part of my daily process yeah that's awesome yeah. and i think it's, the funny part is i think it, the passion goes even further in that regard because as you quickly learn if you are if you if you do own something in the, in the, the outdoor archery or hunting space 
your hunting time typically is less than what you would normally would be if you just were a guy with a bow, right? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a funny joke. You know, the cobbler's, the cobbler's kids goes without shoes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Normally I, I'll have a bow for all of about a hot 30 days before it gets torn down and turned into something else. It's so bad that, you know, it, owning an archery company two years ago, my wife gave me for Christmas. Here's your bow. Like We're not, <laughs> we're not going to tear this one down. We promise, <laughs> you know, yeah. you have this one at least. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, no doubt. So do you find it hard keeping like lately? I, well, I mean, in the last couple of years, it just seems like all the bows are so good now, right? Like all the bows, okay. doesn't matter what you're picking up off the, off the rack. All these bows are so good. And it seems like to me or and to other people too, that it's got to be really hard staying a little touch ahead of, of the competition. It is. Yeah. It's definitely um, It's definitely, and especially because I don't want to, I don't really want to re- just recycle what has been done before, you know, recycle our technology into something new. Um, I want to continue to make leaps and bounds innovation. And that's, that's not always possible or feasible, especially when you've got a yearly release cycle, which is unusual as far as the archery industry, that's normal for them. But if you look at any other kind of product line, like a car, right, you might have a car for a particular model car. They might develop that for four or five, six years before they come out with something new. We don't, that same luxury doesn't apply in the archery industry. So it's, if you've got something that takes you a long time to develop, it may not see the light of day for three or four years. And that's, that becomes challenging for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, try to yeah. come up all the time to do. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy how competitive it's gotten. And I don't know if it's become like up here in Canada, it's slowly, it's not nearly as po- uh, popular as present as it is down in the States. And like, we have a lot of guests on the show that are, you know, we're st- strictly, you know, bow hunting, bow hunting bulls and, and bucks. That's kind of our, our jam. But uh, up here in Canada, it's slowly, it's slowly coming around. It's slowly starting to, you know, um, get popular and stuff like that. Um, what do you, like, what is, uh, one, or one thing I wanted to ask you about here before I get sidetracked is, uh, um, is save your hunt. Now, this is something to me, and I just found out about it. Like, when I, when I first picked up that bow, I shot it a few times, and I kind of handed it back to him. I'm like, hey, let me shoot that again one more time, right? Put his arrow in it, shot it. And I was just like, I, for a bow that I've never, like I've heard of, but like to find a bow, like an Athens bow up here in Canada is really hard. Um, I know you do have some distributors, but it's not like, you know, I'm not walking down to hardcore and pulling one off the rack. Right. Like it's just, you know, they, they're very limited on what they can carry obviously because, um, you know, duty and, and just getting stuff up here is, is challenging. And like, you know, it, it, it not being as popular, like, we don't have like our, our, our archery shops, they maybe have, you know, 15, 20 bows in the rack. It's just not, you know, it's just not economically. You just can't do it. You know, it's just, you, you have to sit on those bows for so long before they move. And I get it. So I shoot this bow and I couldn't believe like, it was just for a bow that I never, I, I, not that I, like I said, not that I never heard it, but I just, I've never shot one and I've shot, I think every make of bow there is. I was just surprised on how comfortable that thing was in my hand, starting with the grip. Like that grip was amazing. Um, And we get a lot of rave reviews about that grip. That was, that was one of the things that the original Athens developed that we kind of kept going with the lineup was that, that grip 
but that's probably one of the number one compliments we get on the bow is just the, the way that grip feels. And ironically, last year, one of the things we were asked, I don't know what model you shot or what bow you shot, but um, last year, one of the things we did and we were, we had been asked for is everybody liked that the shoot off the riser, but they wanted something, especially for colder weather, right? It gets, it gets kind of cold on your hands. They wanted some mm -hmm. kind of rubberized grip, but keep the same profile and don't change anything else and make it just as firm as it is before. So we don't want anything smushy. Like all these requirements went into like, what it's a tall ass to, to do that on a narrow profile grip. There's not a, lot, a whole lot of meat in there to work with, you know, and try to replicate that. And we did it with the, we did it with the, the elevate last year and it just was a, it was an overwhelming winner. Like it's surprising. Yeah. So he I said he got no that down. Yeah, I and I wish I would have remembered, but it was kind of just like it, 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 it. I shot it. I went back, you know, I shot it a couple times. Went back to shoot my bow, and then after I was thinking, I was like, man, that's a really smooth bow. But the grip really stood out to me. And he said he got it last year, so I'm assuming it was a new one. Um, you know, I, and I wish I would have caught the guy's name because, like I said, I've never seen it. But it's just one of those things, right? You're shooting, you don't think about it. Um, but the grip and and going back to the grip, the grip is one thing. Like your grip and your is huge. Like grip is one of the most important aspects of shooting a bow. And like, it's funny how many people have bad grip when they're gripping. Like one of the things about archery is that, as you know, it's very opinionated, right? And there's, it's very unique. It's very different for everybody. And there's very, there's a lot of things that I do that you won't do when we're shooting. But the one constant is, is your grip. You have to have solid grip if you if you're torquing that bow anyway it's going to affect how you're shooting down range anything right like you can tell you can tell right away before that once that arrows lets off that string you can tell if you had a good shot or not and it's 99 point percent of the time it's because of your grip yeah and for 100%. me that is that is just it's if you think about it, it's a main interface to your bow right that's yeah. that's what yeah. you're touching even if you're even drawing it back you're still touching a d loop or or release or whatever you're not actually touching the bow that is your primary interface to that bow and you know people get people get wound around the axle sometimes for example with paper tuning or walk back tuning i can yeah. shoot a tear i can shoot a wild left right tear or a bullet all out of the same bow just by mm -hmm. just, just just by adjusting my grip position and the, that, that consistency is so critical to your accuracy it's not just that comes back to the practice thing right it's just one of the biggest things you can do for practice is can make find something that's repeatable for you and just keep doing it over and over and over again blank mail whatever you have to do just to repeat yeah 100 and that and that's you just hit the nail on the head like one of the biggest things about archery is doing the same thing repeating the same process over and over and over and like everyone anchors point on their face is going to be different everyone's face features are different i mean if, if you're using a, a wrist strap or a handheld it's going to be different but the one constant is your grip. And yeah, like so many people that I know, you see them and right away their 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 grip is a little off or it's a little different every time. And they're like, man, I just can't shoot consistently. And it's like, because you're focusing on the wrong things. Instead of focusing on what's downrange, you should be focusing on what you're doing here. And that's the, like you said, it's the main contact point between you and your bow. Like that's, that's it. And like, you know, a lot even, of people. I was going to say, and even putting on gloves, right? Like I'm. Oh, yeah. I'm really strange about gloves. I probably have 30 sets of gloves because I've never found, I, it's very hard for me to find something I really like shooting with. And then I'll yeah. practice because that changes, that changes your pressure points in your hand. Mm -hmm. It changes how, if you, depending on where you anchor, you know, you, you're, 
your handbag against the side of your face. It's moving it over just a little bit, but that has significant effects downrange. Absolutely. And people don't think about that. And then you throw all, like you said, you throw all that in that, that consistency and repeatability. And now you got 150 inch whitetail 15 yards from me looking at you. You, know, yeah. you, you throw and then every, the wheels come off the boss, right? There's just so much going on at that point. You have yeah. to be consistent, like remove as much potential for failure from the system as possible. And that comes back to practice at the end of the day. Yeah. 100%. Like myself, I can't wear gloves. I, I just can't do it. Doesn't matter how cold it is. I'll let my hands freeze. I just, I just, I have to feel the riser on my hand. And that's one of the biggest reasons why people are like, why don't you wear gloves? I'm like, cause I have to feel the riser in my hand. There's a sp certain line on my hand and I have to feel it there. If it's not there, you know, I'll make, before I even think about drawing back, my hand's going to be in that spot. But again, it comes back to reps, right? The funny part is all those gloves I have, I don't use any of them because I do yeah. that. I've just given up, right? Like it's just, yeah. my hands are getting cold. I'm going to freeze, but I, at least I'll be consistent. <laughs> oh yeah. 100%. Now, like I was saying, like it's these people come over and they're, they want a paper tune. It's like, well, every, every shot's a little different. They're standing in the same spot because you're, 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 you don't shoot enough. So like, when you're engine, when you're making these bows, is that something you can you take into consideration? Like you guys have an amazing um, tunable cam, mm -hmm. like absolutely amazing, and like some of the features you guys have for just like at home bow tuning. If people would, which people, in my opinion, no, like ninety five percent of bow hunters or archers don't put enough time into understanding their own how their bow works or what, you know, what does what, why it does it, when it needs to do it. And like, I know so many guys can't even tie their own D loop. You know, it's just something that they just like, Oh, I'll just take it to a shop and do it. I don't need to know why. Well, I mean, if you understood how your bow works, why it's doing what, what you're doing, you're going to become such a more accurate shot. It does, it does help a lot. I think for sure. To yeah. Understand your work with it. Like you just get a better, appreciation for it but not everybody has the time or the equipment or the the, mm -hmm. the skills to necessarily do it that's where it comes in on that you, i am seeing at least i think i'm seeing more and more people doing exactly what you're saying is they're working in their home shops and building out their home shops it's becoming more economical and frankly youtube is full of oh, yeah. good and good and bad information on how to tune your bow yeah um, bad uh, unfortunately that's the thing and, and it's hard i know people they're like I, I, it's funny. I had a friend come over the other day and he's like, he, he got a new Hoyt and he brings it over and he, and he, he's like, well, I, he, he bought a bow vice off Amazon and he set it up himself and we, he bring it over. He doesn't have any levels or nothing like that. He just set it up. He's got his D loop on. It's fully set up ready to shoot. And he said, he, he just can't, he just can't get his, uh, he, he can't get his pins accurate on his bow. And I'm like, well, how can you not get your pin accurate? And like, I, I so I put it in the vice. Well, first of all, I put in the vice, I look at it, and he had no levels on his bow when he put his D loop on. So, I mean, right there, right? Like nothing square on the bow. And these bows are like, you know, you're stale on the whole way. You know, you yeah, don't know depending exactly. on how far away you are, how high or low it is. Yeah. And he's running a drop away rest. And I put the, my measuring tape on it, and it's not even close to 13 sixteenths for a starting point. It was more like, under half inch and like just all these things and i'm like where did you learn like why how can you put it together this way like you never do any of this he's like oh i watched it all on youtube and like i'm like okay well you have to understand how everything works first before you start 
just like fall watching or doing something on YouTube or maybe look into it a little further. Like when you're setting your rest, like his timing was good on his rest. So it, that was good, you know, but there was just a lot of things that, that were just, um, they just weren't, uh, they just were done incorrectly. And he learned it from YouTube and not to mention the fact that when we did put his, his, uh, bow on the, uh, on the press, we put it on the drawboard and his top cam was about an eighth of an inch out before his, his bottom cam, which, uh, I don't know about your guys' process, but I know like most of the bows that you pull off the shelf, the timing is off a little bit. I mean, that's just part of it. I mean, I shoot you guys in your store. You're not going to have time to sit there and cam tune. We, every... we do every single bow. We tune every bow before. Yeah, before wow. it goes you guys up. time every bow. Yeah, that's amazing. So there's, that's a, a... there's a lot of work that goes into it. Our goal is when a dealer gets a bow, is they pull it out of the box and it's ready to go. Like, again, it comes down to, like we were talking about earlier, is like remove every bit of complication from your setup. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd rather have a dealer pull out a, a ready-to-go bow and then they have to worry about rest timing and all the other things like let's not add more complexity onto them so we do everything out the door it's ready to shoot as best we can obviously right we don't have a rest on it we don't have a peep in it but yeah yeah as we can out the door so when they pull it out of the box it's it's done it's time well that's, ready to go. that's great and it, for you know for people looking to buy a new bow that is is huge because like you said you know a lot of and especially now you know like up here in canada you're a long way from the bigger bow shops of the major cities. So a lot of this stuff is bought online and a lot of guys don't have access to draw boards or presses or vices and all that stuff. Right. So, um, knowing that that is great. Um, let's talk a little bit about your, your cam system. Mm -hmm. How long is it? So then I, so the bow I shot, I didn't really, like I said, I didn't look at it as well as I should have. And unfortunately, um, uh, it, it, you know, you just can't go down to like hardcore. They don't carry any of your bows. And, and I called around and they didn't have any, cause I wanted to learn a little bit more about them, but I, I did watch a few of your videos, but like the bow that you guys, you have now is a little different than the bow I was shooting. And I think it was the bow yeah. last year. Um, but I, again, I, I don't think it had the cam, the tunability that this new one has. Is that something that's new? As far as the lateral adjustment or is it? Far yeah. As the lateral yeah well, the, the the accutune system is new this year yeah the accutune so, system yeah 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 uh it's uh been a multi-year process for that as well and it's it allows you to it allows you to adjust the basically instead of using shims you can do it now without a press you got a yeah. key well need a press. which is well which is amazing because like i like before like you you'd always have to every time you'd go to, you'd have to shim right you have to pull your axle pull your strings off pull your pull your cam off, put a, put a new shim in, put it back together, shoot it, repeat the process, right? It was incredibly daunting. Yeah. 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 It, it pull it apart. It, and like to, to tune a bow, like effectively, man, it would take you days to do it. Like just yeah. days. I got, like, pretty, I, got pretty, I got pretty quick at it. I could look at somebody's tear and typically say how much it needed to move one way or yeah. the other and do it, do it in one or two instances. But yeah, it, it's daunting if you're not used to doing that. And again, you need to press in order to do that. So it's yeah, well, it exactly. Yeah, for sure. And like, even like your guys, as you guys have adjustable cable guards, which is amazing too, because not everybody know, like there is a few guys I know PSC on some of their bows, not all of them. They have that ability too. Um, but like, and a lot of people don't realize what a difference that makes. Just yeah, having that sure. ability to like for camming, for cam lean and, and tunability and stuff just adjusting your clearance. You, 
Yeah, it's kind of a unique it's kind of a unique system because you want to make sure that you the more it with a with a cable guard system, right? If you think about it, you're always pulling harder on one side of that bow, right? Depending on right hand or left hand bow, you're always pulling harder on that cam, and you're going to always kind of induce some lean into that cam by doing that. You know, we try to eliminate any any of that happening with a wider limb stance and thicker axles. Um, but the less pressure you can put on that cam, the better. So that's why one of the, the adjustable roller guard, for example, is helpful in that you can get just the right amount of that fletching clearance without going hog wild and pulling it way off to the side and really inducing torque into the bow, inducing torque into your grip and position just by having too much, having it too far over the one side. So it's, you're right, the, the, the adjustable roller guard does help a lot with that. Yeah, so that AccuTune system, like how so like I, I to me i thought Botech was the only one like even now i mean like psc i'm shooting currently shooting a psc with a few pscs and like they came out with a shim system this year which is incredibly helpful but uh i had a uh, a friend of a friend came over and he had the Botech, and it was the deadlock system and i couldn't believe like i could not believe how easy it was to tune that bow like just an Allen key, same system, same idea you guys have, just an Allen key and another Allen key to turn it, move it each way. And like, what's so like on your guys' system, what was like, what's the engineering involved in that to come up with a system like that? Cause like when you're oh, wow. looking at it, you're like, yeah, I bet. Because like it, it's so much more than just shims or, you know, or clips. Yeah. It, it's different technology than Botech, but it's it, the same end result of, you know, you're basically allowing that somebody to, to manipulate the cam position. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a multi-year process that went Yeah, into. I bet. I've got probably three or four years worth of sketches on that. It's just, it's not a simple thing to try to accomplish. And you got to think about all the pressure that's on a cam and that too. Like when you're, you're moving a bow that's fully strong, right? And mm -hmm. 70, 80 pound limbs. And now you're trying to move a component of that that's holding that bow together. There's there's a lot that goes into it um, between specialized coatings and specialized materials and, and treatment processes for metal to make sure it holds up. There's, it's quite a bit of, it's quite a bit of development that goes into something like that. Yeah. And see, I think as these is something like your guys' system becomes like, it, it gets out there, more people start using it and more people start, getting into tuning their own like you know i think through covid because guys a lot of guys were forced to you know work on their own bows and stuff because a lot of these bow shops were shut down i think as as guys get more involved in their own bows and their own process and, and tuning their own bows and just wanting to understand the process i think stuff like your guys's system is going to become like it's just gonna it's going to become an integral part of your bow because like it, it just it, it makes things so easy so simple like and you don't you know and then you also understand you'll start to understand how important that is on your boat yep yep so oh, and it it makes it and it makes it not only easy for you know end consumers but for dealers too you know it saves them oh i bet yeah setting up a boat for a customer yeah um or if a customer comes back like you, i've seen this before it I kind of, you know, I, I have my own, obviously, bow shop at home that, you know, I have friends come over and I help them out with their bows, mm -hmm. but yeah, so they may leave and shoot a bullet, right? And then, like we were talking about earlier, they change their grip slightly and suddenly yeah. they're shooting 
wild tear one way or the other, we're back to square one, resetting up their bow and systems like this just make it easier to be like, oh, whoop, move it back over and we're done again. Like, go back and shoot and work on your grip. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, grip. like I said, the grip was, for me, my biggest thing. And like, for me, I don't like big bulky grips. The first thing I do is that grip's coming off and I just run straight riser, right? And I, it's kind of, you know, I do throw hockey tape on there. Um, just sometimes just because I like, I don't like the feel of just the dead, you know, the dead riser, just, um, you know, sometimes you're shooting a, like now late season, it gets pretty damn cold, but, um, but I do, you know, and I, I, I don't like a lot of, I like to be able to feel that on my hand, but, um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, like, in your position. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I just, I, I, uh, I, I I've been looking at your your guys' bow setups and I'm I'm just pretty amazed. And there's one thing I want to talk to you about: save your hunt and like, yeah. Tell me a bit about that. Which I which when I was going through reading your guy on your guys' webpage, um, after I after like I said after I shot that bow, I I thought about it for a bit. I came home and I started creeping out on your guys' stuff and your webpage, and I was going through and then and this popped up and I thought this was something that was absolutely amazing that you guys offer. So, so maybe just, yeah, tell the listeners yeah, what it is. Basically, it's specific for the lower 48. Um, we, if you're on a paid guided hunt, we recognize that a lot of times this may be a hunt of a lifetime for somebody. Um, and if you have a, if you have a, a bow mishap, you cut your string, whatever, we'll get to you as quickly as possible, fully set up bow at no obligation, no matter what manufacturer you shoot. And kind of the whole, the concept behind that started out with, you know, I, I'd heard of some, I'd heard of people having problems, you know, you go on a hunt and the, one of the stories that stuck out with me is a guy put a bow on top of his car and drove away from the airport and his buddy, yeah, I can imagine that one, <laughs> Elkhorn in Colorado, his buddy lent him a bow and the next day he went out and shot a really nice bull with it. Um, anytime I'm on some kind of paid hunt, I normally bring an extra bow with me. Like I yeah. had that look of doing that mm -hmm. and there's been more than once i've lent it out to somebody you know it guide runs it over with an atv guy cuts a string with his broadhead whatever i'd be like here here you go just take my extra one and go practice a couple times and have at it um it's all about really kind of archers helping archers at the end of the day like I, we don't need we, we need to kind of support all all each other in this community it's a it's a small it's a small community and it's it's better to be super friendly and helpful for everybody and celebrate yeah. celebrate everybody, no matter what they shoot or what they shoot it with so i got a funny story about um about this and this is why i think about it a lot because i have a good friend um he was out and I, he, he's already posted the video online so i'm gonna say it was he was shooting a hoyt and he was sitting in a white tail stand this is in canada he's sitting in he's in saskatchewan he's from bc and he's sitting in a stand for five days saskatchewan's minus 30 hasn't seen a buck celsius fahrenheit i guess although if you get the minus 40 it doesn't matter right? yeah yeah Cel celsius celsius uh <laughs> i don't know what that is in fahrenheit you figure for all the american guests my conversion table now would be just like but it's not um very sorry about that a real quick side note is like the funny part about that is most canadians who i've ever met or talked to they can instantly convert celsius to fahrenheit or like kilometers to miles per hour we can't do that at all here like <laughs> yeah. we're Google, looking it up and then oh it's about that it's uh, i always yeah. found that guy irony funny so all right sorry oh, yeah okay. no hey um so anyway he's sitting in the stand for five days didn't hasn't seen seen a few small deer 
Finally, this big stomper walks out on day six. He goes to draw back, and he was shooting a carbon bow, and his rest mount let go. Pulled the glue, let go on his bow. Oh. And so what made oh. me thought about think about you guys was like it's it's absolutely so first of all, if I'm out shooting a Hoyt and I need a bow, you guys will send me a bow, which to me is absolutely like it just blows my mind because like normally and this is one of the things that I really like about a small, you know, a small operation like you guys is that for a lot of there's a lot of people that I know, including myself, that have tried to reach like these bigger companies and you just cannot get through. You cannot get access. You cannot talk to anybody. You have to leave a, a voicemail or an email, send an email to a company or to a, um, an office that will redirect it to another department, blah, blah, blah. Six weeks later, you get an answer. You get somebody to reply back and find, try to find out what your problem is. Extremely frustrating, especially a lot of guys. You know, some of these bows, especially these high-end bows, because that was one of the, that was their flagship bow. That was their top-end bow. You know, you're spending total setup. You could be spending four to five thousand dollars Canadian sure. uh, on one of these setups. That's a lot of money, right? Like that's yeah. a lot of people. That's one month's versus salary on a bow, and like to have something like that happen and to get no reply back on customer service at all, and then a company like you guys are willing to not only like you're not just sending a bow, like replacing one of your bows. You're replacing other people's bows as well. Like to me, it's just like you said, like th that is what, and you know, it's kind of unfortunately because obviously, like the more marketized and the more industrial this industry gets, the more obviously the 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 hunting, you know, the original hunting that my dad had, you know, it's like just the community of hunters kind of gets lost because it is a business, right? Like it's it it is what it is. It's inevitable, but just to have that mentality that you guys have is is absolutely amazing. How do you guys feel like, do you guys, do you guys get a lot of that feeling? Like, do you guys get a lot of comments and, you know, is that something that you guys kind of pride yourself in? Is that small community, like just the keeping it a community? Yeah, a hundred percent. That's kind of what we, that's, we pride ourselves in customer service and the ability yeah. to flexible and do stuff like that. Again, it's, you know, the whole reason I got coming back to my beginnings, the whole reason I got into, well, I got into archery through, drywall but um <laughs> funny, funny in, way funny road funny road uh the whole way i got back into the art the way i got in the archery industry was trying to get back to the community yeah. know, trying to help the next generation of archers because i wanted them to enjoy it too and so it, it just kind of it, it just it's just another extension of that is giving back to to helping people out i mean i i i've lent my like I said, I'd lent my bow out before and watch people shoot nice animals with them and they were just tickled pink and it was, you know, I was happy for them. Like, it's just a great, mm -hmm. a good feeling to be able to help people out. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. It, it is, it's something too. And I, like I said, I think it's, it's getting more and more lost and there is, you know, companies like yourself and organizations like Hell for Wildlife that are doing such great things that just, you know, it kind of reaffirms and you know just brings you back to to why we're all doing this in the first place um you know it's something so that we'd it, love to do it's a passion-based industry right like it, yeah if you just wanted to go fill your freezer you can do that pretty easily with a rifle yeah you know uh, or go buy it at the store mm -hmm. you know this is mm -hmm. a it's a different level it's a different it's a it's an industry unlike other many other manufacturing industries out there you know yeah 
I, funny part is I, coming back to manufacturing computer science and stuff like that, I used to do a lot of, like, I, I've been and visited a, a ton of different manufacturing facilities and, and manufacturing companies making everything from insulators and et cetera, et cetera. And everybody thinks they're kind of unique. They're, they're, it's a unique industry for them. And I, 98% of the time I'm like, no, it's, you're, you're doing something similar to what everybody else is. It, the archery industry is different. It actually is unique. Like it is a, it's very much a passion based sport. Um, outdoor experience compared to doing a lot of other things. It's people get very tied up into it. It's even more than like, you know, everybody loves their favorite car manufacturer, their favorite Ford, their favorite Chevy, whatever. They don't, they don't interface with it the same way they do a compound bow, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't have the same opinions about it typically that they do a compound bow. It's just a, it is a, it's a unique industry. Yeah. And I feel that is one of the things about, you know, there's so many opinions in it like you said, is because people are so passionate about it. I mean, like so many people are, you know, they wait so long for hunting season. It's just like their livelihood. And and it's that passion that, that creates these opinions. Right. And then people are, sure. have their, you know, and it's like shooting, everybody's a little different. And like, there's really no right way to shoot a bow. I mean, there's obviously like, it comes down to grip. You need to have good grip. Like that's the one fundamental part of your, of your form that, that you need. But when everything else, you know, anchor, peep size, all this other, you know, poundage you're shooting, what type of bow, you know, all this other stuff, it, it, it's all very personal. And I think that's where a lot of people's emotions come from is just because it is so personal and people, you know, a lot of people put a lot of time into it. And it's, you know, for a lot of people like myself, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's not my livelihood, but it's, it's pretty close to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's not only you can also then take it further and personalize it too, right? Like it's yeah. not just, you know, that there's a wide variety of bows to select from. There's also a wide, even wider variety of accessories to select from that really yeah. personalize that experience. Um, yeah, for sure. I set up to what I do different than what you do. For yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And even where you're hunting and what you're hunting for. I mean, when it comes down to sure. axle to axle, right? I mean, like you're hunting and you know, you're you, a place like myself, um, you know, you, you're going to want a little longer axle axle than you are. Yeah. Say if you're just set, sitting in, you know, hunting in the whitetail woods, hunting out of a tree stand, you know, you're or hunting you're, in a blind, right? Or hunting like in a blind. Yeah. Yeah. I run a short axle axle in a blind for turkey hunting. It's just, a, you know, it's, there's not the same. I prefer a longer axle axle bow. I'm, a, mm-hmm. I'm unique in the somewhat unique in the Eastern United States where a lot of guys prefer the shorter axle axle bows and the whitetail woods. I prefer something longer, um, but that's just me. Again, it's personal preference. Yeah. But like blind, you know, you've got a short axle axle bow typically. It's just too much bow in a small area. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you guys offer what? So you guys offer your walk us through what you guys are offering right now for your bows. So we've got the this year, we've got the Axis series. So and that's the new one, right? New, that's, new one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it comes in a 31 inch axle axle, seven inch brace. So it's super forgiving. Yeah. It comes at 33 and then a 35. So yeah. So kind of fit. Variety yeah. Of, yeah. Fit there. And we've got a target bow, the Bale 38, which is also new this year. Um, that's a, that's a 38 inch axle axle with a seven and a half inch brace. And then we've got the elevate that we retained from last year, which is a 32 inch axle axle, six inch brace like bow. So we've got something pretty much for everybody. I mean, we go all the way from, 24 and a half to 34 inches of draw length, you know, depending on what your setup is. Yeah, for sure. Now are the, like, is your, 
your is everything available on every bowl? Like all these options? I know you guys uh, have the dovetail. You got the Picatinny mount. All of them. A lot of the features are the AccuTune is not available on the Elevate. It wasn't designed for that. And then gotcha. the Veil 38 specifically, we did not put that low profile grip on it, but we've got the original grip on it because it's typically used as a target bow. Target bow yeah. Most guys have their own wraps or feel or whatever they want to do. They want that. They don't want anything in the way. And so we, we shy away from that. The, the veil instead has uh, level riser technology. So we've actually got levels machined into the riser to insert, ensure perpendicularity with the bow. So when you put your bow in a vice, you can just, without clipping on any additional levels, you can automatically level your bow, set up your rest, and then use that to set up your second and third axis, which is is, is awesome like like, that that is awesome and i think like man like yeah i mean that's such a super cool feature having that like it just takes all the guesswork out of it because then like like you could put string levels on you can level your riser and it's like man like to to, to have that ability just to have one and just like yeah perfect yeah and especially if you're trying to do your second and third access you know you got your bow all set up and you're trying to work on second or third, and you're trying to clip a level back on and hold it on with hold it on with rubber bands so that you know your D loops in the way or it's not fully engaged on your string because you're trying to move the bow too. To well, your and access. and your but your t- not only that your table and everything has to be perfectly level as well. If anything isn't level in some place, when you go to tip it back, and you know a, a lot of people don't understand the importance of third axis, but it makes a big difference, you know, and just. 100% of how that works and if your table or your you know isn't leveled that you're working off and if that's not perfect when you go to pull that back down it's going to throw everything off and when you're looking at it yeah for sure the big the bigger thing though I'd, I'd like to say to that though is while all that is pretty important and critical your grip is still the most important oh, yeah. thing. hey man 100 <laughs> your grip grip is the number one and it comes back down to just like whatever you're shooting just shoot more of it right like it's you know what a- i mean like hey these these old time guys like my cousin you think of like the i look at some of the first boats when he got into it was in the 90s way before i got into it and like man he could still he could still hit tax with that bow you know what i mean and it came to but he shot a lot and you know he has he good form perfect grip and you know that's when i learned kind of the principle of you can have the most non you could have a bow that's not perfectly set up and you could still shoot a great group if you got a consistent grip it is the most important and yet the most hard that most hard the hardest thing to actually replicate oh, yeah. over and over again like 100 yeah, like, squared i can't ensure you're holding that bow accurately every time you pick every it up. single time well and it's tough like i don't do it every single time and you can tell right like as soon as you walk down as soon as you go to pick your arrows out of the target you can tell if, just by looking at them oh it's that mm-hmm. one there you know yeah, i didn't have my fire. grip my, my grip wasn't perfect so um what uh how was your hunting this year? Did you get out? Did you manage to get out? I got out a few times. It wasn't the <laughs> it wasn't the best year for me, at least. I just didn't have the, the amount of time. Um, launching products in the middle of the rut is a challenge, to say the I least. Bet. I bet. That's why I always curious, guys in your industry, in the hunting industry, how much they actually get to hunt. Not as much as we'd really like to. <laughs> yeah. I, find it, I find it easier to go on an off season with an outfitter, to be honest with you. Like, I put a ton of, I've got land here in New York and I put a ton of time and energy this summer because I had the time to, you know, into putting food plots in and we brought in hydro axes and fertilizer and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I, I've been out there a dozen times probably since then. It's just, 
it's just a matter of time. There was a, there was a pretty nice white tail I was after. Um, my hunting season kind of summed up with this one right here. So uh, there was this pretty nice white tail that I was after. And he, he was coming out in one of my plots and he would come out in this one section pretty much all the time, but I didn't have to stand anywhere close to him. He'd always be like, he'd always be like 60, 70 yards from me, which is a little bit farther than I feel comfortable trying to shoot a white tail at. Like, um, so I snuck out one afternoon and I got, I found that there was a tree by about where he was coming out to play. He either came out one side or the other all the time, like just consistently. And I got about three quarters of the way up that tree and I look around the side and there he is at 20 yards looking at me, hanging off the side <laughs> of the tree. And I hung there and I just stayed there and I stayed there <laughs> swearing internally to myself yeah. and I hung there. And maybe, maybe he'll think it's normal. Maybe he'll think it's normal. Right. Yeah. Right. He didn't think that was quite normal, but he didn't want <laughs> kind of like something's not right up there. I'm leaving. So he just yeah. kind of meandered out. And yeah. I spent literally the next 30 minutes like inching my because there's another six or seven deer in the field, like inching my way back down that tree so I could try to s- sneak around the back and try to cut him off again, which didn't work out. But that yeah. was that was kind yeah. of it. Yeah. You know, and, and we and we all have we all have moments like that in the woods, and I often always think is like, I wonder what's going through that deer's head right now. He's probably like, huh? Well, that's something you don't see every day. <laughs> yeah, where was that before? Yeah, yeah, huh? That's new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, thanks for uh, hopping on the podcast, man. Like I said, you know, you know, um, I I shot your guys's bow, and I I've been looking through it, and and you know, I'm a uh, a bow junkie i just love everything there is to to do about bows but compound bows i should say um like i said uh, the long bows and the recurves um they can stay where they are nothing against it but they're just not for me but um yeah thanks for coming on the show and, and just talking a bit about your company yeah. and uh and uh, qu- quickly just let the people know where they could uh they can find follow you guys and, and just uh you know buy buy your products yeah for sure um i'm obviously your local dealer or check us out at www.athensarchery.com or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well at, our, at, at athensarchery.com so. yeah and and what I'll do on the show on in the show notes is you um, I'll put your dealers that you have up in Canada online sure. and all your American all the American listeners they can just fend for themselves because there's a lot on there. I'm not going to list <laughs> them all yeah, you, you guys down there um, the listeners down there they get a lot more to choose from than, than we do up here yeah for sure. Okay, man. Thanks again. Great, eh? great talking to you. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you. Bye.